Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss Us. Um, we're particularly chipper today. The suitcase makes it so I can't lean like I normally do. Um, Let me push it. The... <laughs> How about now? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay, we're extra happy for today because, listen, I know we say this all the time, but this book really is one of your <laughs> favorite and best books. Uh, the Book of Esther. We're so excited to do this. It's our second to last week in the Summer of Heroes. Hopefully you've loved everybody that you've met. We're doing five new heroes today, a couple more next week um, to kind done. of wrap up summer, you guys. And then moms, send those kids back, baby. <laughs> so um, here is where the piece goes, just down here. We'll fill in more of the stuff, you know, but Esther's picture just goes down right here. This People is the are... last week of the history, everyone. We're Next week, we will start over at the top. Yeah. So people kind of argue like they like to do about when the story of Esther starts, but it's somewhere, I mean, when it happened, it's somewhere close to that time of exile because Persia is still in control in this book. And so you know what happens sometime after they've started sending the Jews back, maybe after all of them, maybe after some of them. Or maybe so people before, just, yeah, we don't know. It's just right in there somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so I love um, talking about Esther so much because um, it feels a little bit like a fairy tale story to me. And I'm someone who loves reading books like The Princess Academy or, remember, proper romance novels. Derelict. <laughs> Good memory. <laughs> um, who loves that, that very night after we recorded that video last time? If you don't know what we're talking about, just you're going to have to go back a couple. I was reading in my bed, and that night it wanted to talk about a derelict. What was derelict again? A person, I felt like. No, it wasn't. It was like a barn. I think oh. it was a barn. Yeah. Oh, it was a castle. Uh, it was a castle. Oh, that's right. It was a castle. And I sent it to David to show him. They just use that word all the time. You said it was only boats, but no, whatever. No, now it's castles too. Okay. This is about to be so fun, everyone, because what we want you to do to start out is think about one of your best days, a day of gladness and a good day, just whatever you want to think of in your whole life that was a day like that. Um, when I was little, I know this will not shock you, when I was 12, there were two things I loved to dream about at night. This is true, you guys. If I couldn't sleep, my choice was either, if we weren't recording, I'd make you guess, <laughs> plan my wedding. That would have been easy. Think about the second coming. Oh. Well, Either of those two things. They're like the same. Remember okay. how the book of Revelation makes the second coming like yes, a wedding? Yes. Yeah. Those are all the things I love to think about. So I loved planning my wedding and my cute grandma, Belle, who I loved. That's where my middle name came from. And remember whose vase I have that I tell you about all the time with my peonies. It was so perfect. These were on today because we're kind of in um, wedding princess mode. wedding yeah. mode. So Disney I put those mode. here for fun. My grandma, Belle's mom's. Um, wedding dress was in this old trunk that my grandma Belle kept at her house. And when we were little, we used to go over there all the time. And on rainy days, she would pull out the trunk and we would pull out 
this dress. And even in the olden days, did you know what young women's they used to have fashion shows of old clothing? Did really? you know that? No. Yes. <laughs> and if anyone had old clothing in your family, you would wear it to the fashion show and they would write a little thing that said, this dress was worn by, and they would oh. tell all about it. Now and, we call that trick. Well, no, you, you were careful with them. <laughs> no, you know you wear all the old and, clothes. <laughs> um, so we used to wear these, and all of these have little notes on them in my grandma Bell's writing that tells you the history of the dress in case we ever do young women fashion shows again. <laughs> all the dresses are ready. People sometimes get nervous when I touch this dress, but you guys, Grandma Bell loved for people to use the dresses. She didn't want them to be in a museum. These are the wedding shoes. Who's in love with these already to begin with? Can they see them really good right now? Yeah. Look at these bows, you guys. This is your great grandma. This is my great grandma Pearl. Um, okay, you're gonna die over this. This was the um, her top. Um, look how beautiful it is. Look at this lace. Are you dying over it right now? I mean, I'm trying to, but I just, you David, know. you haven't had any girls get married yet. This is the problem. <laughs> wedding guys, dresses just don't do This had me. a gigantic train on it in the olden days before the wedding. And then at the last minute, they changed the location of the wedding and they cut off the train of this dress. But the whole train yeah, is upstairs uh, in, in the trunk still. The train is upstairs in the trunk. And then... Here comes your favorite part. I thought you were going to say, here comes the bride. This is what she wore in the carriage after the wedding. She had a carriage cloak, everyone, specially made just for the carriage ride. <laughs> what? Are you in love with it right now? I will leave this out as display for our lesson, um, for our lesson today because um, w this is what we want you to be thinking of. You're... Um, your best days, your days of gladness, those days that you just look forward to. And one of the things you know, need to know about Esther's story is sometimes a day of gladness and a good day uh, can come even after a really bad start. And that is one of the lessons the book of Esther teaches us. Yeah. And it's interesting because as you start out the book, it doesn't seem like it's going to be, well, it actually starts the way all Disney movies do with disaster, right? And so it's just a perfect, it's a perfect story. Um, we have this written in the, at the top of the journal, so you can just remember it. This is a story about a courageous heroine, thoroughly evil villain, a love story, suspense, dramatic irony, sudden reversal of action, and a happy ending. Mm, That's love why happy. Emily loves <laughs> most of and all. And you really could start out once upon a time right. in a kingdom very far away. Right. Start. There was a queen. But I want to say something about it before oh, we start. Right. And then you'll have to do that once upon a time again because okay. it was so good. Um, there is something really interesting about the book of Esther and it's sort of fascinating to learn and you're going to disagree with me and argue with me and then you're going to go count and then when you're done counting, you're going to come back and say, you're right, okay, but... Yeah, because Esther almost didn't make it in the Bible, everyone, for one reason, not because it was a girl, yeah. one reason. Um, God is never mentioned in the book of Esther, not one time. By any pronoun, by any name, by any nothing, never, ever, ever, exactly zero times he's mentioned throughout the entire book. But hopefully those of you who know the story already are arguing and saying, nuh-uh, nuh-uh, 
Um, God's all over the place. And that's one of the things that we want you to think about as you listen to the story. His name is never mentioned, but at the end, we're going to ask the story, but where did you see him? in the story. Yeah, where did you see his hand? Okay. Where so, did he show up? You be thinking about that the whole way through. Start over and say once upon so, a time again. Once upon a time in a kingdom very far away. There was a drunken king. So that's how Esther 1 starts <laughs> off. Esther 1 has the king, uh, Ahasuerus, who throws this banquet for like 187 days. Or Xerxes. That's how, you that's, could call him either name. Yeah. He has both names, Xerxes or... What you said. Ahasuerus. I call him the king. Yeah, that's easier. So who has banquets that last 187 days? We don't know. But he has this really, really long banquet. On the very last days of the banquet, he is drunk. All his friends are drunk. And they all say, bring out your wife, Vashti. That's her name. The queen's name is Vashti. Bring her out and let her display her beauty. And so um, we, he sends a message to her, to Vashti, the queen, so that she would come and show, this is verse 11, show her beauty. And, and to all the princes, for she was really beautiful. But in verse 12, Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command. And, and no, I'm not going to do something like that. I'm not going to go and parade myself in front of everybody. So the king, in a drunken rage, divorces her. And he tells all the men of the kingdom, if any of you have a wife like that, you should get rid of her also. So that's how the story starts off. You're kind of like, Ugh. Then you move into chapter 2. And he starts this kind of uh, beauty pageant sort of thing. Like it's a, it's, it's a, um, a process of bringing all the maidens of the, of the kingdom to gather together. It's my favorite part of the okay, whole yeah. story. But before we even talk about that, we have to introduce the heroine of the story. Even though there's five heroes in this story. But let's meet this girl whose life actually isn't a very good life, everyone. Um, this is what we know is in Shushan, um, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Yair. Oh, Yair, there he is yeah, right there. he's right. Um, and he had been carried away from Jerusalem in captivity, and he brought Esther, his uncle's daughter, because she had neither father nor mother, and she was fair and beautiful. Okay, there's our first introduction. Here's what we know. For some reason, they were carried away captive, so that wasn't happy. And in the midst of wait, that, that story... Wait, you know, that's when they got yeah, brought to Persia. away. Yeah, 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 they're in Persia. No, to this, Babylon. Oh, Remember to Babylon. They, yeah, so Mordecai was one of the ones who was... Came, and in the midst of that whole story, um, the mom and dad die somehow. We do not know any of these details. Disney story. I know. <laughs> it's really is it. So she's an orphan who's been taken captive somewhere in the midst of all of this story. And that is how we meet her. Um, and we know she was fair and beautiful. And you love that Mordecai took her for his own daughter. That is how he was going to raise her. And the king's command came out that all the maidens were going to be gathered. And so she was one of the maidens who was gathered. And they're going to come together and, and they tell him in verse 9, I'm in Esther 2, verse 9, whichever made him pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, um, was going to be the one who became the queen. Well, they come in and they go through this process of um, obtaining favor. And because Esther does right off the bat, um, Haggai, who is in charge of all, the keeper of the women, that is the job, Loves Esther so much, he gives her seven maidens because he just, he thinks she's kind and she's beautiful. And, and he's like, I will give her seven maidens. Q 
keep track of the seven maidens because those are going to become important. And um, Mordecai told her when she went, don't tell people where you came from or who you are. It's, it's going to be safer for you to just go in quietly into this situation. And then you will love this about Mordecai in verse 11. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Would you love this? This will be a pattern of Mordecai for Esther's life. Is It is his personality to go where she is and see how is she doing it. I just love that you see how much he loved her. Yeah. And um, for 12 months, they stayed there. And then... It came the time that every maiden was going to go into the king. And um, so in the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned, and um, the king's chamberlain was there, and she came except no more. If the king delighted in her, then she was called by name, and she would come. So they all get ready to go into that place, and they tell the girls, you can have anything you need, whatever you need on this day that they're going to go into the king they will have everything. And this is one of my favorite parts in verse 15. She required nothing but what the keeper of the women, Haggai, had given her. Like, don't you love that she just was humble? And yeah. she was like, I'm fine with like everything you've given me. I will just go in as myself, as the person that I am and who you have trained me up to be for this moment. So Esther was taken in. And in verse 17, the king loved Esther above all the women. And she obtained grace and favor in his sight, more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And um, in verse 20, it reminds us again, Esther still had not told who she was or where she came from because Mordecai had charged her um, not to do that. And I love when it is like, and she just did the commandment of Mordecai just like she had when she was mm. brought up with him, even though... All of a sudden, she was the queen, and she had all this money, and she lived in a palace. Don't you love that she just remains true to who she was when Mordecai yeah. brought her up as the orphan? And gives her that, you know, that advice, follows that advice from him. It kind of shows you what kind of relationship that they yes. have. You read between the lines. Yeah, and what kind of a woman she is of just, this is who I am. This is my story. This is my history. This is what I do. Now, like a really good story, a little subplot gets kind of snuck in in the end of chapter two, and Mordecai's outside the gates. Uh, he's a keeper of the gates of the palace, and he overhears and a plot. And you also love too. can we just say this, I'm assuming, that where is Esther? Just right there inside the gate always, right? She's yeah. just right there. And I love that he's like, now he doesn't walk past the um, Princess Academy anymore. Where does he go? He just sits right outside of the place where Esther is in charge of. Yeah. Don't you so, love that? Well, that is cute. Thank you. <laughs> um, and he overhears um, a plot to kill the king. And so he tells Esther, he says, I think you should tell your husband. There's these, he has these insiders, some of his own counsel want to kill him. And she does and uncovers the plot. And then um, that problem is solved. So it just is kind of thrown in at the end of chapter two. Then you move into chapter three and Mordecai, who's this hero now at the end of chapter two, um, refuses to bow down to this guy whose name is um, Haman, you know, uh, or Haman or whatever you want to say. Uh, what's funny, we'll talk about like the, the, when people tell this story, there's a day set aside where people tell this story, they don't ever mention him by name. 
everybody bangs pots and pans together and they make a, a loud, he's sort of like the Voldemort of the Bible. Like nobody, <laughs> he, he who must not be spoken. But his name is Haman and he is this, he's second in command to King Ahasuerus. And Mord, and he makes everybody in the city bow down to him when he, um, when he rides through the streets. And Mordecai refuses to bow down to him. He says, I only bend my knee to the Lord. I'm not bowing down to you. And so he's so mad and he finds out that Mordecai is a Jew and he, and he, and he puts together this plot, this plan to have every single Jew in the whole kingdom killed. And so he goes to the king and, and he tells him, all these lies about the Jews. He's like, what they're like, and and they're probably going to backstab you, and they're they're a menace to your to your kingdom and everything. And the king takes his ring off in verse ten, this is chapter three, and gives it to Haman and says, okay, then do whatever it is that you are going to do. Solve this problem for me, please. And and he picks a day um, that is going to be the day where all of the Jews are going to be killed. And the king signs that decree, and then that decree goes out to the entire kingdom. And you love when it does say in verse 13, uh, it was sent by post to all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the 13th day of the 12th month. Um, And then they could take everything the Jews owned as their own. Can you imagine being a Jewish person and seeing that sign up every day? Yeah. That on this day, Everyone, even the children, the yeah. yes, will die. So it was a horrible decree that sent out to everything. Well, you and I know who are reading this makes such a good story that it's just like, huh, Esther's a Jew, you know? And remember, she's not told anybody that she is a Jew. She's changed her name before she went into the beauty pageant to a Persian name, and nobody knows. So now Mordecai and um, Esther are going to communicate with each other because it almost seems as if she doesn't know that that decree has, has even happened. happened. Yep, she's in the palace. Maybe she's just kind of hidden from the day to day. But for some reason, Mordecai puts on sackcloth and sits out in front of this gate. And so Esther maids, one day when they were out, they come in and they say to her, for some reason, Mordecai is wearing sackcloth at the gate. And Esther says, take clothes to him so he can come in the palace and come and talk to me. Which is a sign of um, mourning. Mourning, yes, They wear sackcloth when you're in something, you knew something was wrong if you saw somebody in that. Um, And he won't change. He he won't get out of his clothes. But he says to them, go back and tell Esther this is what is happening. And... um, that sum of money Haman had promised to pay at the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. And um, in verse 8, it tells us he gave a copy so she could see it and then said, you need to go unto the king and make supplication unto him and make requests before him for the people. Supplication is our word that we chose for this wor- this week. And it means you're going to have to read it again. Yeah, Um Hanan, uh, which means to bend in kindness, to favor, to bestow, to implore, to give graciously, to be merciful, and to pray, and that's what her request is. It's a, it's a, it's an awesome um, synonym to the word prayer. Yeah, is this idea of suppl- make, beg for the king's mercy, beg him to intervene graciously on our behalf. Um, so she says, um, go back to Mordecai and tell him this that anyone who walks into the king's court without being called is going to be put to death. And I have not been called. So I can't just go in and talk to the king. We need a new plan. 
And it's um, it's a time of war right now with Persia. And so there's a lot. And obviously you have people on the inside who are already like villains and everything. And so it's extra like heightened and everything. And she says, I, I haven't even seen him for 30 days because he's in there and they're planning the wars and they're like, and it's, it's tense. It's yeah. a really intense. I, I can't go. And so Mordecai says back to Esther in um, chapter four, verse 13, think not that you are going to escape this any more than any other Jew. Because when he finds out you're a Jew, the decree is going to include everybody, even you. And then I love when he says this, and if you hold your peace, deliverance will still come. It will just come a different way. But we might all be destroyed by the time that deliverance comes. And then he says this line that we know so well, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so Esther writes back to him, and this is her reply. This is her response. She says, you go gather all the Jews and fast for me and don't eat or drink for three days. And I and my maidens will fast likewise. And if I perish, I perish. And I always love to stop at this point in the story and think about those maidens for a minute. And it, it makes me think about my situation, my life. Like, who are your maidens? Who are the people you surround yourself with the closest people in your life. You can have men, you don't have to have maidens, but who are those people? And when you think about your closest circle, this is a question I regularly ask myself, are they people who would fast with me? Are they people who I could call and say, I am having a disaster moment right now. Could you fast and pray with me? And would they think that was just normal? That they right. would be like, oh, of course I would yeah. do that. That is the type of friend that I am. And if you don't have that within your closest circle of friends, maybe start praying that Heavenly Father would send you women Maidens, or yeah. girls or friends or um, companions that are like that, um, that would be your seven that you're just like, I just, I know they would pray with me. I know they would fast with me. And so that is what they do. And, and I also think it's worth saying right here too, like just that role that Mordecai plays also in this, that mm. one, that he's so trusting in God initially, right? Where he's like, deliverance is going to come for our people one way or the other. God watches over our people somehow. Uh, but it, you might be the one that he's put into this position yeah. for this very, very purpose. And how awesome that he reminds her who she is, her story, and who she is, and what she was, what she might be here to accomplish. You know, and it's yes, just and awesome she has people like that around her in her life. Well, and it makes me think we need to be like that more often. Right. We we need to remind people this is what I see in you. In fact, last night I was texting. Um, a friend of Grace's, and I just was like, you know what, you, this is what you are so good at, and God has good things in store for you. Yeah. And um, uh, there may be opposition, but in the end, here are the things I see in you that God could be using. Yeah. And it was so cute because this morning when I woke up, there was a little text that said, thanks for the reminder, I actually needed that mm. right now. And are we remembering to send that text, especially to the rising generation, that this is your story. This is where you came from. And 
this is God's purpose for you right now. And it might be hard. Like that rising up, what Esther's going to enter into might be hard. It might take courage. It might cause you to live outside of your comfort zone. But you think about this rising generation and and their goodness and their courage and their passion. And it's exactly who God needs right now. And I love what happens next is Esther puts on her royal apparel. And I just imagine her that morning being like, bring my best dress, bring my finest to me. And I'm going to take everything that is my best and I'm going to go in in this moment. Um, If you're using the tippins, there's going to be this picture that you can use this weekend. We will have Andy, who helps us with our videos, um, put this up for you. But I love thinking of this moment right here. This moment when Esther stands on that threshold in her finest, that moment right before she is going to walk in to the king. And as she prepares to go in there, and I love this, the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house, And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And he said, what wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is your request? It shall be even even given thee to half the kingdom. And you love that what happens next because we're like so nervous about what is going to happen. We're waiting for her to be like, you are not going to believe what has happened in the kingdom. And this is what she says. She stands there in all of her finest. I would like to invite you to a banquet. (laughs) And we're like, what? No, that's not right. This is your chance. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then all of a sudden there is going to be this series of events that I love to think that she's like, okay, help me know what to do and how to approach this the right way. So she asks for them to attend a banquet. And now she invites Ahasuerus, the king, and Haman to come to that banquet. Now Haman goes home and he tells his wife, he's like, I just got invited to a banquet by the queen. Only me. Like the king and me only. And she's just like, I think something really good is about to come into your life. And everyone reading the story is like, ha, ha, ha not really. Um, and he, in kind of like this pompous way now decides to build these gallows that he's going to hang Mordecai on and make him a public display. So it it boils up. I mean, it heats up a little bit. You're like, Esther, you need to do something. Then the next day in chapter six, um, the king can't sleep. And so he does um, what I do and I can't sleep. And that's, I have the scriptures and the history books read to me. And so (laughs) he has his servant read to him the chronicles of the kings, you know, Um, read me the history books. And while they're reading the history books, they just so happen to turn to the page where Mordecai unveiled that plot at the end of chapter two, that the king was, you know, where he saved the king. And he's just like, nothing's ever been done for that man. Like we never honored him. So the next morning he calls in Haman and he says, Haman, what would you do for someone that you really, really wanted to honor and show like respect to? Haman obviously thinks he's talking about him. So he's like, I'd put him on your biggest and best horse. I'd parade him around the city. I'd have everybody cheer for them. I'd have people bow down to them. That is what I would do. And so the king says, and chapter six is kind of the big reversal of the whole story. And and wait, don't forget my favorite part. What? And he gets to wear the king's clothes. Right. 
Are you going to tell that part? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so it's been kind of going downhill a little bit. Um, and then in this great reversal, um, the king says to Haman, I want you to go get Mordecai. I want you to put him on my best horse. I want you to put him in my clothes. And the best part is, and I want you to lead the procession and parade him around the entire city and like show great honor and, and, and everything to Mordecai. And this is like the spot in the story where you're like, it finally kind of flips a little bit. You start to feel like um, the bad guys are getting what's coming to them or whatever, you know, in the story. And so, um, so he does and he goes through all that. And then um, the next day, is when Esther is going to sh- throw this banquet for the king and for Haman, and it's at that banquet that she reveals, um, "I am, uh, I'm, I am your wife, but I'm also a Jew. These are my people." And Haman has plot has plotted against me, and he has hatched this plan to destroy me, my family, Mordecai, your new friend, and all of our people. And in a great ironic twist, um, the king has. Haman hung on the gallows that he built, you know, for Mordecai. And then it's so interesting because in chapter eight, um, the king takes off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and he gives it to Mordecai. And um, I love that part too, that he's just like, "Let, let me bring this full circle. Let me bring this all the way around. And the decree, what happens is, um, which uh, this part's always so hard for me. He can't take away the decree because it was signed with the king's ring. And so there is going to be that moment, that day that is there. But he tells everybody, and they send it by letters, by posts on horseback and riders on mules and camels and everybody, um, that in verse 11 of chapter 8, the king granted the Jews which were in every city to gather themselves together and to stand for their life. And to they could fight back and, and any of the people who tried to come against them. And so um, that, that whole thing also is going to reverse. And there is this great gladness that I think everyone just settles into, okay, that is the end of that decree. And then in 8, verse 16 and 17, it says, the Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor in every province and in every city, wherever the king had commanded. And his decree came, and the Jews had joy and gladness and a feast and a good day. Um, and many of the people of the land became Jews because the reverence and the awe of the Jews came upon them, which I just, I love that that is what is going to happen at the end. And in verse 19 of chapter 9, it says, um, they decided to make that 14th day of the month a day of gladness and a good day forever celebrated. And this is the interesting thing. It is still celebrated to this day um, in Esther's honor. Purim is what it is called. And they read the whole story and they bang pots and pans together. And I love that what they are celebrating is a woman who was sent for such a time as this to deliver God's people in that moment, and every year, that reminder is made. Yeah. And I love the thought of that, of that um, courage and that, um, just that humble orphan girl who you wondered if there would ever be a day of gladness or goodness in her life ever. And it doesn't mean she, 
hard things didn't happen. Yeah. Like it wasn't as soon as she went to the Princess Academy, her life was easy. But she remembered who she was. She remembered her history. She knew her story. And she stayed true to that and to Mordecai and to God and turned the entire kingdom around in the process. And so we just want to go through and tell you where we see the five heroes. And then we're going to ask you a question at the end. But we'll first do um, all five. So here you have our first hero is Queen Vashti. And the verse we chose for her was chapter 1, verse 12, where it said the queen refused. That um, we think she's a hero because she stands up for something. She, even though she lost the crown for it, she was just like, there are some things that I refuse to do. And, and that's why she's a hero. Our second hero was Mordecai. And you can't see his little verse here oh, because so all the, the dresses and the carriage coat. Um, <laughs> but his line, who, this encouraging line, this reminding line, who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this, and who found needs- in 414. Who needs you to say that to them right now? Yeah. Don't you just want to say that? Who do you know right now that needs to be reminded that they actually came to the kingdom for this time? Yeah. Reach out, send a text, write a letter, take them to lunch, make a phone call, like be Mordecai today for a minute. Okay. Our third hero are these maidens. And I and my maidens will fast likewise for 16. And we just love that there are kind of people who will come together when um, it's not their problem, right? They're not of Jewish descent. Um, It's her problem. But they said it it will now become our problem. We will take your your struggle on us also. Um, Number four is the king, Ahasuerus. And you might think um, in chapter one, that's a really bad hero, this drunken man who divorces his wife for not dancing in front of everybody. And you're like, how is he a king? I mean, a hero. And we love this verse right here in 8.2, where he took off his ring that had been given to Haman, and now he gave it over to Mordecai. This is a guy who starts off as an immoral character, but later makes a change. He has that dream. Uh, He responds to the dream. Um, and he decides, I'm not going to have give this guy my loyalty and power anymore. I'm giving my power and, and friendship and kinship over to someone else. So we love that he makes a change in this story and becomes a good guy in the end. And then, of course, um, Hadassah, that's her Hebrew name, uh, Esther, who um, uh, you can tell this part. This is your favorite one. Well, well I do. I just love that <laughs> Esther reminds us. It doesn't matter what your story is right now. It doesn't matter how hard things are right now. It doesn't matter if everything has been turned upside down. That the Lord can take any situation and bring a day of gladness and a good day. And and maybe you're in the day of gladness and the good day. And if so, celebrate. And maybe you're not. Maybe you're in my life is upside down. And... Um, that orphan moment, that moment of just trying to figure out how, how will God make anything good of this? And I love knowing that the God we believe in is a God of gladness and a God of good days. And there will be goodness ahead. And, and Esther reminds us of that. And I love it. And, and, so- that, and that he's working together and using people, yes. unexpected people. And, and all of these things, and it's all working yeah, together to for good. It. Yeah, it's yeah. being orchestrated. And that's why I think at the end of the book, you look back and you're yes. so surprised. And think about this. That- when you teach, as particularly if you teach the youth, 
or with your little ones at home, one of my favorite things to do at this point in the lesson is just to stop and say, okay, now that we've told you the whole thing, tell me where you saw God's hand. Tell me where. And it's so fun because they'll start at the very beginning. The fact that Esther got to live with Mordecai, that's where it begins. And then it just moves forward. And um, sometimes when I'll teach a big group of girls, there will be 12 or, you know, a huge handful that are like, and what about this? And what about this? Right. And what about this? And everyone's is different. And they will bring up things you didn't even see in the story that at the end, then you're like, wait a minute, God is everywhere yeah. in the story. And if he's everywhere in this story and Bible scholars tell you he's not mentioned anywhere, then could it be true that he's everywhere in your story also? Yeah. And I think the person who writes the book of Esther, it's um, anonymous, we don't know, does this on purpose, writes a story that God is all over and doesn't mention his name to help us do that same thing in our in our own mm. stories, like yeah. search for him, find him. I, do you remember that one time I... Um, a friend texted me and at the end of the text, he sent a sunflower emoji. And I was like, why, why'd you do that? And he was like, I don't know. I just think they're really fun. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay. So I sent him one back, you know, at the end said, good night. Then the next day I'm driving down the road and I pass a field of sunflowers. And so I was like, oh, so I took a picture of the sunflowers and sent them to him. And it kind of became a thing. And then I noticed, oh my gosh, there's sunflowers like everywhere. And who even knew? And I went home that night and I had sunflowers in my backyard growing <laughs> and I had no idea. And it was funny because I didn't notice how many sunflowers there were until I started looking for those sunflowers. And it taught me the same lesson the book of Esther teaches us that um, at first glance, you know, it might, as we're going through life, it might seem like God is absent. But the day we start looking for him, you're going to start noticing and 12 people are going to raise their hand and say, this is where I see him in your life and where I see him in, in mine. And so, oh, so good. good. We book. love this story. Uh, and uh, all, oh, and they all lived, lived happily, happily ever, ever after. after. That's so funny so that you both thought of that at the same time. <laughs> like we have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's awesome. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.